Blog Talk Radio. You are now tuned into Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes. With your host, Jay and Trey. Yes, we are here as the year of Corona Palooza 2020 rolls along. We are glad that you have decided to join us tonight. This is indeed Kings of Non Sequitur, the off season version of in much less detailed a podcast live on a Sunday night, August the 2nd, 2020. I'm Dre. He's Jay. I cannot speak for Jay. He is a grown man, but I will speak for myself. You can blame none of this Corona that's still spreading on me. I have been in. I've been going to work and coming home and doing nothing else. I was not at the strip club Magic Titty down in Atlanta with Lou Williams. I categorically deny all charges related to that. I was not partying with the Miami Marlins. I was not involved with that. I categorically deny that. I was not at a Trump rally with Herman Cain. I categorically deny being involved with any of that. You cannot blame any of that on me. And so, Jay, uh, can you account for your whereabouts the last few weeks? Uh, yes. Although, if I believe if you get corona or give somebody corona at a strip club, that would have to technically qualify as a super spreader incident. In one way or another. Hey, hey! Uh, no, just working, working home. Working home, the occasional trip to the grocery store. We're... Uh, what the we were the 34th state on Saturday that went uh, full masks, although 90% of the counties said, "Yeah, we're not going to enforce it." <laughs> but I, I worked all weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, um, you know. But since the masks have been mandatory, I have to say, uh, yesterday, um, maybe five or six people that I saw all day at my job didn't have a mask on, and today I only saw one. So. We'll see. An improvement. We'll see. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that you know, and you know, with the with what they're expecting for, uh, you know, spreadability of the disease and how long it takes to sort of linger. That yeah, yeah, it'd be nice if two weeks from now we saw a positive, um, reaction to and and, and positive results from uh, everybody masking up here. For you know, I'm I'm not hoping to see the same numbers two weeks from now. Let's just say that. I don't know where their heads are right now because, like, what are you waiting on? Like, uh, it's still going to get better. It's only been uh, six, seven months now. It's, it'll turn around. So, yeah, you know, you probably have a feeling that these are probably, you know, if I haven't looked at the map, but my guess is if I'm looking at a map of the United States, this is probably states where social distancing is already in effect. So, I mean, where you're probably like Wyoming or uh, North Dakota. <laughs> You know, or something like, like you just don't run across many people to begin with. Um, I, I I could see states like that being just like meh. Am I? Oh, you're, you're you're breaking up pretty 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 fierce. And. I My don't hear anything. I'm not hearing. I'm not Hello? hearing you at all. Hello. You're, you're you're breaking up pretty good there. You 
were completely can't. Do you hear me now? I have heard very little of what you said. Was I breaking up? Yeah. Yeah, you were breaking up. We were we were both breaking up. So it was just a bad connection. Yeah, if I'm severely breaking up, then you're going to have to let me know so I don't just keep going on and on. Uh, so far, for about the last minute, minute and a half, uh, you've been pretty, pretty, pretty broken up there. So I don't know if this is usually if it's both of us because I'm usually on a pretty, I'm on a pretty secure line most of the time here, or pretty safe, pretty safe internet because I'm I'm wired in and I don't have, you know, I don't have a hardware problem, so I, I'm not too worried. Um, you know, you break up from time to time, but yeah, you've definitely over the last couple of minutes been chopping up pretty good. All right. Well, I had. Uh couple of other programs I was trying to get going at the same time and I'm going to just follow that out now and it's better um, yeah, close the porn so I'm, 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 <laughs> close the porn uh, so I'm sounding uh, right, right now <laughs> better a, a bit better as soon as I said that it, you started to fade no. again there but that's okay of course uh, this being my show this evening, yeah, I really want this to be clean, but, uh, you know, things happen, so I'll give it, the, give it the old college try, and like I said, I'm definitely relying on you, Jason. If it's just too uh, unintelligible and just no way that uh, that I can be heard, then go ahead and, and, and interrupt me and let me know, and I, I might get out at that point and come back in and see if it uh, cleans up a little better. I will be doing my best to keep you... You know, I'm sending you all the positive uh, connection vibes right now. Hang on. Oh. Hang on. Uh, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> okay. All the positive juju. I'm, I'm feeling the positivity. I hope it yeah. works. It should, be coming, it should be coming through. All right. I'm uh, going to go on for a minute and see. we'll see how that works out. Well, that, this is a good way to test. And also, I happen to remember to do the plugs at the beginning before we get too late. So that's a good thing. So we'll we'll see how this turns out. Uh, First of all, some news about uh, the blog. It's finally done. The master list is up. The the long promised list of all of our previous hall of fame slash hall of infamy inductions. I have done the master list. It is our blog. Our blog site is of course in much less detail dot blogspot.com. Right now, the first entry you see on the blog will be this NFL Hall of Infamy induction that I'm about to conduct. But the next uh, post after that is the Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy, the master list. And what I would encourage you to do if you want to keep up with that is go ahead and click on that post and then bookmark it. And my intention is every time we do a Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy show that I will go right into that master list and update and just keep that updated. I'm not going to keep posting it at the top of the blog or anything like that. I just want to keep that particular uh, link, that particular blog post, keep that updated going on and on until eternity. Um, That's my intention, but the master list is up. Jay started this thing off in 2011 back in the days of the blog. And we didn't even have a podcast at that point. So uh, 2011, 2012, those posts are, there, there's no show attached to that, but 2013 and on, uh, 
we were able to do our induction ceremony as part of our podcast, and we're very happy to have the opportunity to do that. And but all of the posts are up there uh, between Jay's NFL inductions, uh, my NFL inductions, Jay's MLB inductions, my MLB inductions. It's all right there for you. Again, in less detail. Blogspot.com and look for the post entitled Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy, the master list. And it's right there for you. We've been talking about it for years, and I finally sat down and got it all done. And I intend to keep it updated and keep it refreshed, and hopefully I will remember to do that. Uh, as far as communicating with us, which is what the uh, point of the of doing the plugs usually is, uh, it's to tell you about the fact that we have email. You can send us an email to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. Uh, you can comment on that blog if you want. Any of those posts, you can leave us a comment there as well. Uh, you're listening, of course, to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That's the only place to listen to our show live, but there are many places to listen to our show after we're through live. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, there's plenty of podcasting apps like TuneIn and Mixcloud and uh, Player.fm and Blueberry, et cetera, et cetera. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and subscribe. And when you do, you will get this live show and an after show uh, for the low, low price of free. That's been the price uh, the whole time, and it will continue to be the price unless I figure something out and we can start charging. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, but anyway, that's the plugs that I usually give. Uh, usually top that off with uh, giving out the guest line, but nope, no guest line tonight. This is all about the 2020 NFL Hall of Infamy induction, the class of 2020. It's my year to do the football side. I hopefully got some good ones lined up for you tonight. We're going to touch on a little bit of everything, give you some uh, Super Bowl halftime, give you some criminally insane players. You know I'm always good for those. Some gruesome injuries. Uh, hopefully got a full show lined up for you. So, Jay, you ready to rock? I am, and that uh... – means that you are doing the honors here, uh, believe it or not, for the 10th time we're doing this now. The 10th year of the Hall of Infamy. Amazing. Starting in 2011, and here is the, the 10th yeah. year. It's, it's it's the anniversary. Feel old? Feel old yet? <laughs> A decade of this. Wow. Um, by the way, um, voice breaking up. Did I, did I sound okay? You did good through that, and I just have to say now that you, I am not going to go to the blog because I know you usually post your stuff ahead of time, and I go into this without knowing uh, what you've done. But going through and compiling the list had to be some had to be a, like sort of a, a trip down memory lane once you see like the when you actually see the whole scope of the list and you go, wow, we we right. heard it all. Well, yeah, it was a ton of fun, and it was. Uh... Also, I had to go in for your last few years. You've gotten so busy with your family and things. When I, you just yeah, said the hell with the blog, and you to. haven't even. I always mean to. I actually was listening to the last year's show on my way on my drive-in home from work tonight. I was listening to uh, my show from NFL from last year, and we were already talking about it. Like, man, we need to just make a list of right. all of the all of these because we were starting to worry about doubling up on each other. Exactly. So, yeah, I definitely – that was my main motivation for doing that is to make sure I didn't uh, induct something you've already inducted in, in some form or other. Uh, 
So yeah, I, I had I had to go back and listen to your your baseball from a couple of years ago, your football last year, because uh, you didn't have any blog uh, entries right. for those. So I, I, I was like, uh, shoot, I got to go listen and actually jot all you these know, down and, and figure them out. And going back and listening to my show from last year felt like I was listening to a completely foreign podcast. I had forgotten my inductions already <laughs> from last right. year, you know. So I was almost listening to it. <laughs> like somebody was just listening to our show because I, I was just like, oh, this is this is pretty good. I, I'm enjoying this because I forgot all of my inductions for football from last year. I was thinking of my 2017 inductions while I was listening to last year's show. So that tells you where my my brain's been. Right. Well, it's a, it's a lot. It's 10 years of it. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 you're gonna run into some. Uh, holes, some 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 holes in your brain, so to speak, where you go, oh yeah, I put that in. There's some stuff I forgot I put in. Like yeah, okay. Uh, so here we go uh, with this year's induction, and hopefully I, I can uh, live up to the lofty expectations and and bring everybody a little entertainment, a little levity this evening. Uh, we're gonna start. Gonna go back to our Chicago history. Got to check out the Chicago Bears, and I tell you, we. Uh, we, we talk a lot about the Bears. Uh, we're from Chicago, obviously. You can tell by our accents, our Chicago accents. So uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, our inductions have been Bear-centric, especially me. And it's going to continue to be that way because that's what we grew up watching. And this one we've been talking about throughout the years. We've been saying that it should be inducted. We've mentioned it in passing many times, and I'm finally going to get around to doing it. Uh, this is as far as gruesome NFL injuries go. You can have your uh, list of injuries that you remember throughout the years. Probably goes along with your favorite team as well, that that's what you remember the most. And this being my favorite team, the Chicago Bears, this is the one I remember. This is the one Jay remembers. This is the one that we've talked about. I know which one it is. Many, many times. Inductee into the NFL Hall of Fame class of 2020. Welcome in. Poor Wendell Davis. Boy, I knew it. I knew as soon as it said it. And I just got to say, this is funny because it goes all the way back to my very first year of doing the inductions that one of the things that made my final cut was uh, the Veterans Stadium Turf Monster. Oh. Because it, it didn't just get poor Wendell. No, it didn't. Um but yeah, no, I, I, oh God, I could like, I could still see his feet like stuck in the turf and him eight <laughs> feet off the ground. So I will let you uh, go. <laughs> and guess what people, if you don't remember that or never saw it or want to know what the hell we're talking about in much less detail dot blogspot dot com, check out the hall of fame slash hall of infamy inductions for this year. The video is right up there. YouTube uh, is your friend. Somebody captured this. The quality of the video was terrible, but it's it's there. It's the actual play. Um, you have to go to the 9-minute, 24-second mark. It's a weird tape of the game. It's not the whole game footage. It's like some highlights interspersed here and there, but it's there. The video is there on the blog site for you to see. And now I will read the induction that I wrote up for it. Jay and I have referred to this incident countless times throughout the years, because we were both watching the game when it happened. If it's not the main reason why the Eagles got rid of that concrete-like artificial turf, it's right up there. The day was October 10th, 1993. The Bears were beating the Eagles on a pleasant sunny day when quarterback Jim Harbaugh, yep, 
at Jim Harbaugh, lofted a deep ball for Davis, who planted to jump for the pass and never jumped. He just collapsed to the ground, sobbing in pain. Viewers didn't know at the time, but Davis's cleats had gotten caught in a seam in the turf, and when he jumped, he tore the patella tendon in each of his knees. Reports were that his kneecaps had been pushed up all the way into his thighs. Davis never played football again. The vet turf has a case for its own enshrinement, uh, claiming a multitude of victims during its reign of terror, the most infamous probably being the Michael Irvin neck injury that shortened the Hall of Famer's career. But for us watching in Chicago, the Wendell Davis injury is marked in our minds indelibly as the standard for horrific non-contact football injuries. Wendell Davis, the first injury in the class of 2020. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know if we clapped for that one, but I'm going to say because, yeah, long overdue. Uh, because this has literally been 10 years of uh, you're writing a wrong that's been 10 years in the making because like I said, I, I've been trying and this was back, you know, I didn't want to just put Davis in by himself but that's the one that's, that is the injury like you said, people might remember Michael Irvin more because it was the Cowboys and Wendell Davis isn't really a big name player uh, you know why Wendell Davis isn't a very big probably because of that turf in philadelphia that literally just in one instant ended his career and yeah you you described it the way i don't need to see it when you plant when you you plant to jump and you're you still technically jumped but your feet are still stuck to the ground and your body you basically just extend your somehow like you're on the rack and your body just extends, and then the compression of coming down from that pushes your knees up into your thighs. That is, that's some torque. Go, go gadget legs. Yeah, and that's a, almost exactly the way I remember the play. I mean, I described it before. Ugh. Yeah, that was that was a that was a, you know, not as it's not one of those like broken leg, broken arm, sickening type plays but it's just understanding the damage that was occurring um, to all the tendons and, uh, and, and the, basically that was career ending. We've seen worse exactly. injuries. I mean, this was definitely, like you said, for a non-contact injury, um, you know, I, when you think of really bad non-contact contact injuries, you know, people might go to, to RG3 in that playoff game against Seattle. Yeah. Just where, where the leg went just, down like he got shot. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the legs just flopping all over, and everybody's looking around like I, I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, no, that one like, and you've, of course, it, it's even more enhanced, I'm sure, by the we we, we joked about it during the uh, the baseball show with the uh, Randy Johnson video of you know killing the bird. You know, there's a pruder quality of the mm-hmm. of the footage, and it's it's. I'm guessing it's got to be VHS quality. What is on YouTube of that right. play? It, it's it's you know very. A bad quality. Well, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's probably C yeah. plus quality uh, videotape. It's sure. clearly something that somebody that was like the fifth time they used that videotape when they taped that game, but they saved it for posterity off, uh, through all these years because they knew that they had captured something horrific on there and, and they wound up putting it up on, on YouTube. But yeah, it, it's there. Somebody uh, thought to tape that game and put it up on YouTube. So it, it's, it's there. It's, it's, yeah, it's not the greatest quality, but it's absolutely there. Um, Right, it's not Joe Theismann. It's not uh, a bone right. sticking out. It's, it's not, not a limb snap or any of those guys. Right? Yeah, right. But you still can tell 
the damage that was done. You can still, like you said, you can see the the guy extending up and the the feet stay on the ground and the guy is trying to go full extension and just never makes it. And yeah, you, you can see the play in your head because you saw it already. Like I said, those of us that saw it, we really didn't have to see it again. And I didn't have to see it again, but when I found it, you know, looking for it, I was like, Oh my God, it's, it's actually here. So I, I had to put it as part of the uh, induction. And and it's as bad as you remember it. It is. Yes. Well, probably even worse now, now that I really know because we we joked throughout the years about the kneecaps coming out, but we didn't know the exact extent of it. And reading yeah, I the did Wikipedia, not know that part. I yeah, know that, that, part. that was that was from reading the Wikipedia about Wendell Davis that the damage was done. That was what the doctors said. What happened to his knees is that they detached oh. and got pushed up into his thighs. It's like, oh my god! So, yeah, I didn't no know knees could do that. Did you know that knees could do that? You know who else didn't know knees could do that? Wendell Davis. Wendell Davis. Until it happened. <laughs> uh, it's funny, and people, uh, we, we don't practice the show ahead of time. I literally joined the show about 40 seconds before we started, and it's funny because when you said what it was, I was talking about how the vet turf was induction worthy, and then you have that exactly written in your write-up. Exactly right, because it is. Almost and, like and almost you... like we've been doing this show for, you know, <laughs> doing this for, you know, 10 years and doing uh, and, and talking about football for, for darn near – 35 years don't don't count please don't don't count how long uh, i'm talking about football uh, well let's get off of that depressing uh, induction long overdue but it, it's over and let's move on uh let's keep it with the bears uh again chicago bears uh not just because we're from chicago but it's of course a historic franchise had a lot of characters and uh, i've tried to induct some of those characters throughout the years this one is not uh, a Super Bowl shuffle type character. Uh, he actually played uh, around the same time as Wendell Davis, uh, but he's someone that we've talked about a lot throughout the years for various reasons. Uh, and you'll find out during the induction why. Um, it's a name you haven't heard in a long time, so you'll probably bring a smile to your face when I bring him up. Jason, our uh, second induction into the Hall of Fame class of 2020 this year, Chris Zorich. So. So good, so good for the community. He's so good for the community. What a good man! What a he's good such a man great guy. He, he can't play football yeah. for shit, but man, he's so great for the community. <laughs> I don't know oh, if we've I'm ever sorry, crapped but... on him on this show as bad as we did back in the '90s. But people, who, oh man, people, I think you're about to explain to people why he was the butt of our jokes for oh, a good odd ten odd years. Um, Ah, what a what what a great guy though. <laughs> Chris Zorich was a defensive lineman for the Bears. He is infamous for being the role model for everything you want in a football player except for the playing football part. <laughs> a couple of years before the Wendell Davis injury, the Bears drafted a man who had very high hopes and expectations placed on him despite only being a second round pick. How is that possible, you may wonder? Well, A special group of circumstances made him out to be something he wasn't quite ready to be. His name was Chris Zorich. He was an All-American Notre Dame defensive tackle who won the Lombardi Trophy in 1989 and was MVP of the 91 Orange Bowl. Before that, he stood out at Chicago Vocational High School, not just as a player, but as an exemplary person off the field. Being half black, Zurich had the lofty hopes and dreams of the entire black community as being the perfect example of what can be achieved with hard work and opportunity. 
And going to Notre Dame only enhanced those hopes and dreams since Notre Dame was in its heyday of propping itself up as above all the other dirty college football programs with the Catholics versus convicts feud with Miami firing up around that time and all that. Take all of that and have him drafted by the hometown Bears, the Monsters of the Midway, and you have a kid set up to be a superstar, right? Not quite. In five years with the Bears and five games with the Redskins, Zorich managed all of 16 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, and one touchdown. But hey, he was a Pro Bowl alternate in 1993. Zorich may have never done much in the NFL as part of another franchise, but being in Chicago with the weight of the whole city on his shoulders certainly could not have done him any favors. When you hear that a draft prospect in any sport should not want to be taken by his hometown team, normally it's because there are bad influences to distract him at home, but sometimes it's because the pressure would be too much for a kid to handle. Everyone would love to be the next LeBron James, but no one wants to be the next Chris Zorch. Yeah, I I, I don't think you or I could properly convey to people, because we've been doing this show for what – eighth season now I believe we're about to be starting if there's a season we'll be starting our eighth season of this <laughs> um how much shitting on Chris Zorich you and I have done over the years he, he's probably top 10 for for players that we have just absolutely crapped all over um through almost no fault of his own too no because by all by all accounts off the field Greatest guy, like great nice guy, guy he gives to great charity, guy. but the organization the was the, the the problem that that grew up around him was after a couple of years, and you realize this guy was a buster. Um, <laughs> it's like they were just keeping around because he was a good player off the field. You know, he he was the guy going to the children's hospital, so so we could be putting him into the Hall of Fame just for that. Just just for all of the off-field work, he could have been in on his own, which would have been the fame part, but you can't have the fame with Chris Zorich without the infamy, which was not a very good football player. He was a Hall of Fame Man of the Year candidate, yes. Awfully, yeah. I mean, undersized, ridiculously undersized at the position he was playing. He got pushed around all the time. Um, yeah, never really produced up to the level, but you know, and part of the problem that you and I always ended up having was anytime the bears would be in a highlight game or the, you know, anytime the announcers, they'd always just, they wouldn't talk about Zorich for anything he did on the field. It would only be so, so he's getting all this run in the broadcasts for being such a great guy. And then they cut to the, 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 the shots of him at some local high school or at the children's hospital, or it's just, while in the meantime, they cut back to the game and he's getting blocked out of every play. <laughs> and he, it just, just <laughs> not very good. And yeah. So, so I think some of it was us also, um, you know, how much we end up sort of decrying the media and sports coverage overall in general, and how much of what we don't think of him as a player has to do with the fact that we had to live with him getting rammed down our throats as a great player for five years when he clearly wasn't. It was it was sort of Tebow-like. For those of you that didn't watch the Bears in uh, the uh, early yeah. 90s, it was a little bit like so much praise of how good of a man he was and how great of a person and 
it's, it's felt like it was trying to distract or take you away from the fact that he wasn't that good at the sport. And you even brought up, uh, I, I wanted to put this in the write-up and didn't know how to fit it in, so I left it out. But you even brought up uh, that they were keeping him, it felt like the Bears were keeping him around after a few years. They knew that he wasn't that good, but they were just kind of keeping him around. I wanted to put in the fact that they kept switching positions and they wanted to make him an end, and then they wanted to make him a linebacker, right. which he played in high school, and then they put him back inside at the, at the defensive tackle, and they kept and they kept bouncing him around trying to find a place to put him because he was such a good man, and they wanted to make sure they gave him every opportunity they could to succeed at football at the NFL level, and he just didn't succeed yeah. at football at, at the NFL level. It, it just and, didn't and happen. And Tebow's a good analogy because have you ever seen an organization twist itself into a pretzel like the Bears did trying to placate uh, – you know, Chris Zorich and the fans and people who just, they admired him for how much he did off the field. And he was so good for the team and the community. And it was like, he could have, they literally just kept him around as an ambassador, you know, as if that's a position. Almost like a mascot. And the best thing they could have done was have been like, move him to coach or something. Dude. We're just going to make <laughs> you like a, like a, but, but, but again, he stinks. So you really want him teaching people. <laughs> Well, and he, I'm sure he wouldn't have accepted that anyway. Like, I'm 25. I'm not going to be a coach. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> Didn't have much of yeah. a career. Did he have a career at all after the Bears? Because it, no, it, he had five games with the Redskins, and that was it. Oh, but I'm sure in those five games, <laughs> he did a hell of a lot for the community. DC still talks about Chris Zorch as such a great right. I have no idea. There is probably remembers. a school or a street or a, a wing <laughs> or an annex somewhere in DC named after him just for the five weeks of enrichment that he brought to that city. I also didn't put this as part of the write-up, but you know what he went on to do in Chicago uh, when he finally retired and decided he wanted to, to give back and do some good sports-wise? You want to talk about a perfect example of here's a guy who – Wanted to do good, but just couldn't. So where does he go? What When you think about athletics in Chicago college sports, about the bottom of the barrel, like you just can't possibly do any worse than this school. Chris Zorge wound up as uh, for a very brief time last year as the athletic director at Chicago State University. And my uncle is going to murder me if he ever hears this because he's a very proud graduate of Chicago oh. State and and teaches there now. And he hates anyone talking bad about Chicago State Athletics, but let me tell you, Chicago State Athletics is the greatest uh, absolute stone-cold lock bet. Uh, short the, the Chicago State, I don't even know their, their team, their mascot name. Short Chicago State, anytime you see them playing college basketball, anytime you see the, the, that spread pop up for Chicago State, go against them because they are so bad. They are, I'm talking like 0-30 type bad. Like when they oh. win a game, it's legitimately a surprise. And the fact that Chris George wound up there as their, their AD for a while, uh, that, that made perfect sense. That, that made all the sense in the world. Oh, I, bet their, right. their, I bet their philanthropy went through the roof. Because <laughs> he's such a great, great man. He's a great guy. First thing I said, great guy. What a great guy. Moving off of the Bears and moving on to, we're going to get into some media discussion, some broadcasting. You know, there are so many examples we can bring up of bad broadcasters, bad reporters. Uh, we've had so much fun talking about them over the years. And this one, the name might not jump out to you, but if you're a sports 
fan going back to the 90s, you've heard her work. You might not remember her name, but you've heard her work because she was so bad at her job that she is legendary. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Danielle Sargent. to you, Jason. You bring up bad female sports announcers, and immediately everyone thinks of Pam Ward, um, oh. <laughs> who's sort of yeah, who was I believe like almost the mascot of the awful announcing blog for many years. Um, <laughs> but you know, you're going to have to refresh me on this one because we've seen so much terrible over the years. I'm curious um, as to uh, what made. Uh, what made Daniel Sargent Hall of Infamy worthy? Because I'm, I'm you're about to school I'm, me, I'm sure. I'm glad that I get to school you because <laughs> I have all, I have audio visual, not not visual, but I do have the audio clips of, of some of her legendary work. Daniel Sargent, I call her broadcasting napalm because everything she did just <clears throat> exploded. She is infamous for displaying high grade levels of unprofessionalism on multiple occasions. Sports fans are well aware of the endless stream of ladies tasked with reporting or broadcasting while trying to look pretty. Some are good at it, some are not, but one was so bad that she is the precautionary tale for all who came after her. On March 9, 2006, Danielle Sargent was working the desk on ESPN News next to a young Robert Flores when their highlight package encountered some technical snafus. As Flores struggled through the package, Sargent, thinking her microphone was closed, loudly explained to off camera, what the fuck was that? And right. <laughs> yeah, you remember. Yeah, remember you that. remember. Daniel I remember Sargent. that. I forgot who did that one. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, here it is. I'd like to welcome those of you who are watching on ESPN2. This is ESPN News alongside Daniel Sargent. I am Robert Flores. And we've got plenty of college hoops coming up, and we are going to show you basketball, basketball of some sort. Course. I feel confident <laughs> in that fact. Had plenty of college basketball, also NBA basketball, Spurs, and the Suns. Phoenix riding an 11-game win streak coming into this game. Another great finish at the Big East Tournament. Jerry McNamara and Syracuse facing number one UConn. Under 40 seconds left. UConn down two until Rashad Anderson, the three, gives UConn the first lead of the game, 72-71. It's 74-71. Legendary. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. I'm I'm glad I, I got to to refresh your memory on that. Uh, this went out live to everyone watching at home. That was effectively the end of Sergeant at ESPN. So that had nothing to do with football. Why is she in the NFL Hall of Infamy? Because Fox Sports decided to give her a second chance as a sideline chick, and she used that opportunity to embarrass herself yet again. In 2008, Sergeant was interviewing the new coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Coach Psycho himself, Mike Singletary, and let's listen to that interview right now. I heard that your mentor, Bill Walsh, was one of the first phone calls that you made when you found out that you had the job. What does it mean to you to be put coach the 49ers? Well, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. What, what did I, what was wrong? So as you can hear, she sputtered and stumbled through a question where she asked him about calling his mentor, Bill Walsh, after being hired as Niners coach. A stunned Singletary couldn't muster an answer before Sargent apologized and wondered aloud what, what was wrong. 
This didn't make air, but it's also captured on YouTube for the world to see. So I think whoever was able to capture that. Uh, what was wrong? Let's see. Where do I start? How did you figure Bill Walsh was Mike Singletary's mentor, considering Singletary never played for him or coached under him? I don't know where she got that from. And one more small thing. Singletary was hired as the 49ers coach in 2008. Bill Walsh died in 2007. That's what's wrong, honey. That's what we call a Joe Carter in baseball circles. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you when he asked, uh, <laughs> asked Jim McMahon about how Pete Rosell was doing, <laughs> and Jim McMahon's just like, "Is Pete Rosell's dead?" <laughs> oh, oh Joe. God. Sergeant uh, got more broadcasting chances before doing what most no talent sideline chicks eventually do: married somebody richer and smarter. Producer probably. Case, uh, close uh, college basketball coach Eric Musselman. Oh, okay. But even though her career is down the toilet, Danielle Sargent is immortalized in our Hall of Infamy as the exemplary, god awful sports reporter. What the fuck, indeed. I'd like to welcome those of you who are the game 7271. Yeah. <sighs> We've had so many bad ones, but yeah, no, asking, asking uh, Mike Singletary about <laughs> his mentor, who he never played for, never coached with, and who had, died, had expired was pretty I, Singletary, you could I heard that your mentor Bill Walsh was, Walsh was one of the first phone calls that you made when you found out that you had the job what does it mean to you to be the head coach of the 49ers well uh, I'm sorry oh I'm sorry yeah, yeah, I'm sorry what what did I what was wrong uh, everything that's what was wrong <laughs> Mike Singletary just is like uh, uh, it's hard to get him speechless how do you get you know I mean, Mike Singletary has some of the greatest coaching quotes and, and, and on-field quotes and a pretty fiery guy. And she basically left him completely stunned and speechless. So give her credit. That, that's not easy to do. I would have been speechless, too. I, I, I wouldn't have known what to, see, what to say either. I think Singletary probably had the response that he wanted to have. No, no, no. You, you don't want me to go much further. Go right ahead. <laughs> Ask the question. Vernon, Vernon yeah. just uh Yeah, he, he probably had a whole lot of things to say as far as that goes. He probably also wanted to say what the fuck was that as well. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, that was a good laugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I was able to bring up somebody that you've forgotten about, so. Yeah, yeah, and you and you tied and you tied a neat little bow on it too, because you know I cannot play with them, cannot win with them, cannot coach with them, can't do it. What what the game yeah. And now we uh, have that dropped forever. You know what? I, and I have to be honest, I didn't know that was her that did the interview. I remember the interview with, with Singletary. I I didn't know that was her too. That I was like, oh my god, that's her. Oh wow, okay. Because honestly, I was going to put her in for the uh, for the ESPN News snafu, but it was so long ago, I thought she was doing a football highlight when that happened. That's why ah. I was going to put it in. So I actually researched it, saw that it had nothing to do with, with the NFL, and scratched her off my list and said, oh, damn, I, I, I wanted to put her in all these years. And then I happened to see down the list on YouTube about the, the Mike Singletary interview, and I go, oh. 
That was her too? Oh, well, that's NFL related. Boom, she's back on the list. Beautiful. So it, it all tied in perfectly together. Yeah, she, she, she you talk about God awful. That's, uh, that, that, that's quite the duo right there. Yeah. Oh my God! I mean, we, <laughs> just the question. Ask somebody that question. I mean, you did zero work. All you did was go, "Oh, uh, he's head coach of the Forty ers Well, he must have something to do with Bill Walsh. <laughs> I know who Bill Walsh is. Like that almost sounds like she got set up. Like that sounds like somebody put that in her ear for her to go oh. around and ask him. Like I, I'm not saying. I'm just. I mean, how you do you do that? A, dumb. Is that that's a go fuck yourself San Diego moment? <laughs> Hey, she'll say anything, man. Just tell her to ask her. Tell her to ask me about Bill Walsh. She'll ask him. Watch this. <laughs> hey, I heard Singletary got a lot of coaching tips from Bill Walsh. So he, that's his mentor. So you maybe you want to ask him about that, Danielle. <laughs> snicker, snicker. Oh, uh, yeah. Then no wonder she doesn't have a career anymore. So, congratulations to Danielle Sargent. Moving right along, uh, you know I'm good for bringing up the, uh, the steamy side of the NFL people that. Uh, the NFL definitely don't want you to remember and think about. And one of those people got convicted just this past year and is awaiting his sentencing thanks to the coronavirus. So we have to give him his props. Welcome into the Hall of Infamy, Kellen Winslow II. Oh, KW Jr., the former tight end of the Cleveland Browns mostly. Uh, he is infamous for failing to follow in dad's footsteps, but succeeding as a serial rapist. As referenced in the Chris Zorich post, high expectations can cause destruction for a player before his pro career can even get off the ground. In Kellen Winslow II's case, his name and prolific college career set him up for failure, along with being drafted by the totally wrong franchise. Kellen Winslow is a Hall of Fame tight end, known for being one of the legit toughest and most talented at his position. His son put up a couple of first-team All-American seasons at tight end for the University of Miami, setting him up to be drafted number six overall in 2004 by the pitiful Cleveland Browns, who were coached by Butch Davis, the man who recruited Winslow to second to Miami. Winslow couldn't stay on the field to produce for Cleveland, breaking his leg after his first two games, then tearing his ACL in a motorcycle accident the next year, then suffering a staph infection in 2008, along with several other members of the Browns. Winslow II had productive years for Tampa Bay, but would never be as good as his Cleveland days. But he found another way to use his physicality. Winslow II was arrested in June 2018 on kidnapping and rape charges, and a charge was later tacked on that he raped an unconscious 17-year-old in 2003. In November 2019, facing multiple rape and lewdness charges, he cut a deal and pled guilty to the teen rape and a sexual battery of a 54-year-old hitchhiker, proving a, a wide range of abilities that he never really displayed in the NFL. Winslow II will get some range. Very much so. Winslow II will get 12 to 18 years in lifetime parole whenever he gets out uh, until the sentencing, which is delayed due to coronavirus. He will have to accept his honors here, joining Darren Sharper last year as Hall of Infamy members who couldn't keep their members in their pants. Congratulations to Kellen Winslow II. Yeah, these these are uh, the memory hole guys, the Benoits, if you will, of uh, you never hear them mentioned again of the, of the league. Yeah, the Aaron Hernandez and and Darren Darren Sharper. Uh, I think I got him in. <laughs> Uh, last, yeah. last year, yeah, last year, mm-hmm. 
Darren Sharper with you know pulling going full Cosby. Um, yeah, yeah, to get to put and yeah, Kellen Winslow Jr. Now, yeah, I, I, and that was a story I was not aware of. So that one was not on my radar. Um, but it's just as icky and nasty and, and dirty as pretty much all the rest of them. That criminal, that, that crime and punishment wing of the Hall of Infamy, that's a fun place. I call it my axes of evil. And believe me, there's more to go. That, that, that well never yeah. runs dry. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we have the Law and Order theme playing, you know, and the cha-ching, you know, every, <laughs> you know, for all these guys. And <sighs> yeah. We got to get the whoever the guy, <laughs> whoever the guy is who who does the intro voiceover to Law and Order has to do the welcome, you know, the, the <laughs> it, you know, in the National Football League. It has League. to be, and it has to be tailored like the Law and Order intro has to be tailored like and rewritten, so you know, like in the, the National worst Football criminal League. Offenders. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Apply their trade until they get a chance to rape and plunder and murder. These are their stories. These are their stories. <laughs> That's every yeah. every time you walk in, you get you go through <laughs> that uh, through that intro into the crime and punishment wing, and the baseball one isn't nearly as uh, voluminous yet as the football one. But football just gives us so many more opportunities. There's more players. Uh, it's a more violent sport. Um, not to say baseball doesn't have those, because we'll find them. They'll be there. But, yeah, football is just like the well will never run dry in the NFL. And Winslow's lawyer was trying to use that. He was arguing uh, some CTE damage may have contributed to him. But that didn't fly because CTE, to my knowledge, is not proven to make you take out your dick and rape somebody. So there's a lot of things you can put CTE uh, as the fault for that. But uh, making you rape someone, that that's that's not proven yet. Yeah, I don't think he's uh you know, he, he's already waiting his, his his time, right? He's just so what so what is he just chilling at home? I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's in custody. Now, the, whatever the sentencing hearing that was supposed to happen ah, uh so he's, coronavirus he's in jail. Hit, and they, he's I'm pretty sure he's in jail uh, awaiting sentencing. Yes. Got it. Okay. Oh man. Well, we wish him we wish him the best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good good luck with that. And now on to, uh, well, supposed to be lighter, but some people took it uh, very seriously. So maybe not so lighter, but our final inductee uh, this year for the class of 2020, uh, an incident that is certainly long overdue, that certainly got a a whole bunch of people's panties in the wad and and like it was the worst thing that could have possibly happened and got a lot of publicity for the NFL that they probably didn't want, but it's, it's infamous, all right. Gentlemen, I give you the much overdue wardrobe malfunction. Ah, Janet, I love you forever. By the way, YouTube is your friend. In much less detail, blogspot.com, if you want to see the wardrobe malfunction, if you've never seen it, if you don't know what we're talking about, Janet Jackson and her booby for the whole world to see. It's up there. It's part of the induction. I don't know if it'll always be up there. YouTube will probably yank it down tomorrow or 
the next day or it's something like some sometime soon they'll probably take it down. So if you really want to see it and you haven't seen it, or if you did see it and you want to relive the memory, it is up there posted on the blog under this induction, Super Bowl thirty eight wardrobe malfunction, go to the fifty seven second mark for the malfunction if you go to our website and check out the video of it. And now the induction itself. Uh, the Super Bowl 38 wardrobe malfunction is infamous for providing more exposure than any other halftime show in history. It's the reason we had to endure 70-year-old rockers at Super Bowl halftime shows for a decade after. It's the reason every live sporting event must be on what feels like a 10-minute delay now. Yes, it's the infamous wardrobe malfunction. It happened so quick that I was watching live, and I still missed it. I will never forget, I was at a, an actual Super Bowl party for one of the first and only times in my life, and I was turned away, probably getting the, the guacamole or something, and somebody said, hey, did you see that? I think Janet's boob came out. And I said, what? I, I completely missed it. Um, yep, it's there for you on YouTube in your time of need. Uh, it was the Patriots-Panthers Super Bowl in 2004 in Houston. The halftime show was Janet Jackson of the one of the hot pop acts uh, of the time. And the finale was Justin Timberlake performing his song, Rock Your Body, and starring Janet as the guest hook singer. Now, you have to understand what line Justin was singing when Nipplegate occurred so that you never again wonder if it was an accident. I'm telling you, it was totally planned. At the moment Justin sings this line, Bet I Have You Naked, the end of the song. Bet I Have You Naked by the end of the song, really? Justin grabs Janet's soft part of her outfit it was uh right there for you uh hanging out and everybody saw it exposed her her naked right breasts uh, adorned by a very intricate nipple piercing design think about how many things had to go a certain way for that to be an accident justin would have had a different move to end the act other than grabbing and pulling janet's breast Janet would have had to have the worst costume planning for it to detach just at that right time and right along that particular stitching. Uh, Justin would have had to sing any of the other lines in his song besides bet I have you naked by the end of the song. None of the other lines in his song talk about having his girl naked. These would all have to have been coincidental occurrences happening at the same time for that to be an accident. The only other explanation really is that all of it was planned the way that it went, but Janet was supposed to have some clothing underneath it and just chose not to have some clothing on her own, which would actually make sense considering Janet's career enjoyed a, a resurgence after that incident. She was uh, she became the most Googled person of 2004 and 2005, but she was also uh, shamed and blacklisted afterwards in a way Justin never was, which is kind of unfair in any event. The FCC hammered down fines for the one-second exposing of a woman's chest, and some people reacted as if it was a harrowing experience that darkened their world. In the end, it was a hot woman's tit popping out for a moment. We should all be so harrowed. Ladies and gentlemen, the final entrance in the class of 2020, Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, Nipplegate. I mean, you, you said yep. it right. That that that's what I remember it as. Uh, yes, the the, the, the wardrobe that that and that be that begat us the very term wardrobe malfunction, right? Exactly where it started. That's right. To this to this day.
Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't an accident. Sorry. No. Yeah, the break, especially when you look at the fact that it's like breakaway clothes, and it's just mm-hmm. going to break away right at that point. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, let's not forget that up to the halftime point of that Super Bowl, what a terrible game. That game got exciting <laughs> in the second half, but maybe there were a lot of people at the halftime of that game, which I believe was a three nothing or six three game. It was terrible. Uh, whatever it was, one of the worst halves of uh, a Super Bowl that you'll ever see was the first half of Patriots Panthers, a game that ended, I believe, with John Casey uh, kicking the ball out of bounds after the Panthers tied the game. Yeah. Yeah, just just a uh, yeah another uh, yeah one well, no, just another one of those here's a here's a gift to the Patriots the team that doesn't need any gifts let's just give them another one um, <laughs> yes I'm glad you did point out the fact that our reward for Nipplegate was a decade of geriatric rockers and yep. terrible halftime shows you know this is this is what what also sort of led to the rise of like alternate Super Bowl halftime programming. Um, like the the puppy bowl, and, and there's you know so many other things that we've that we've had to deal with over the years. I mean, I remember back in the, you know, in the in the was it the late '90s and into that period where you would like tune over to MTV because you could watch a Beavis and Butthead halftime show. Mm-hmm. Oh, that mean, was going and, way back. Yeah, that was back going way the... back. That's in the '90s, right? Yeah, I came over so, to your house and watched that that first Packers Super Bowl, and then they were having the Beavis and Butthead halftime yeah. show for that. So you, you get to 2003, and you know the Super Bowl halftime show wasn't really. I don't think people were really into it. They were giving you so much alternate programming to the halftime show, and now after that, everybody talked about the halftime show. Yeah, it it was publicity that they could have yeah. never expected. So that's why I say all the people. All the people wringing their hands and clutching their pearls at it. Oh yeah, and the NFL acting like the NFL acting like it was such a horrible thing to have to go through, and it gave the Super Bowl halftime show more energy and more juice and more attention than they could have ever expected. No one gave a fuck about the Super Bowl halftime show before that. I mean, not to not to this extent. I shouldn't say they didn't give a fuck at all, but they didn't care like they cared after the Janet Jackson uh, wardrobe malfunction incident. That took it to a whole nother level. And then it became a running gag of which seventy-five-year-old rocker were they going oh. to to pull out? We got we got the we got the boss, we got mm-hmm. McCartney. I think we, do we have Tom Petty. Yeah, Tom Petty. Yeah. You know, we had I, I believe we had Prince's Corpse one year. <laughs> well, I I can't slam that one too much because he he put on such a great show. But yeah, just along the lines beyond of the grave, rockers, Prince from Beyond the Grave up on a on a sheet. I believe what it was like somebody projecting images of Prince on a bed sheet at halftime, any, anything, you know, and then we, then last year um, we had, uh, was it this last one or the one before uh, where we had JLo and Shakira? Yes. Uh, it was the last one because that was, that, that somehow garnered controversy because Shakira like flicked her tongue out during the show. Oh, and yeah. some people took that as, Oh my God! What is she doing? And like what? What do you mean? What is she doing? She, she licked yeah. her tongue out. What? What are we doing? Yeah. What, what? yeah, people just wanted to get upset about something. So no, but that's you know, come on, it's outrage society. <laughs> 
my child was watching the Super Bowl halftime show and he'll never be the same. No, he'll never be the same because he saw a hot woman's tit pop out. So that's that's good that he won't be the same. What if that messed up your child? Then what were you doing to the child before that? That that would be my yeah. Question. And and in what was basically a blink and you missed it moment. I literally missed it. I literally blinked and missed it. It, it. Somebody else at the party had to tell me that it happened, and I had to go home. This was back in the day when I was taping every Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. So I had you had to, to go and ch- check the tape. I couldn't wait to get home at, that, that evening from the Super Bowl party and check the tape, and sure enough, it was it was there. Cause it, it, it was before the uh, – I, I didn't have a phone with Internet access, so I couldn't pull, yeah. you know, cr- call it up call and watch it. it. You know, we didn't. I don't think they were TiVoing it. Uh, that's something else that interesting that I read during the uh, uh, Wikipedia write-up about the incident. Uh, it, it resulted in like thousands more TiVo subscriptions at the time. You remember TiVo back when it was the oh, only yeah. uh, sort of digital rewind type uh, service in town. It wasn't. It wasn't a part of your everyday cable service back then. Uh, you had to order something separate like TiVo to to record stuff digitally and thousands more people signed up for TiVo after that because, Oh my God, it, I can't believe I missed uh, Janet Jackson's uh, wardrobe malfunction. I got to order TiVo so I can make sure I can rewind and watch that again. So, I mean, how can we yeah. ever forget TiVo? It gave us one of the greatest sports commercials of all time. That's right. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Uh, <laughs> so, so TiVo's got a lot very, very uh, warm place here in our hearts at I Boy, howdy. <laughs> uh, indeed it does. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, a lot of people, uh, my, my point, I guess, was that a lot of people made a lot of money uh, off of the publicity of Nipplegate, and for all the people that were so upset and, and clutching their pearls about it, uh, I don't think nearly as many people were upset as, as they let on. Like, CBS wanted to talk about how upset they were, and then CBS probably made a whole lot of money off of that. Yeah, and then they raked they they raked in the money, and then and then the Super Bowl halftime show basically became a a, a shell um, for many years before they would finally let more of what we'd call a mainstream act um, back in. It was it was. I they basically still banned if, women for a while. I still don't know if it's completely recovered. Not completely. That's a good. Uh forward step to bring in like a, a J-Lo and Shakira, even though they're yeah. in their 40s 50s. or 50s. <laughs> which, we, which we commented on, I believe, uh, yeah. on the show when we were watching that, and we actually looked up their ages, and they're like, they're older than, than us. <laughs> than us, right. Uh, it Even still, that's still a good step, because like I said, for a while, it looked like they had banned women. They had all these geriatric uh, male acts and, and no women uh, invited because right. God, forbid we, we, God forbid we invite Carol King and we accidentally see one of her tits or something. We, we can't, have, can't have that. So. <sighs> yeah, it, it definitely didn't leave, lead to an increase in the, uh, of the quality or the, uh, the mainstream appeal. Or I, you know, I, but I don't know, you know, what, what you know, they, were, they were definitely going very safe. Uh, for a while after that, they didn't want to incur the wrath of uh, the FCC or um, take any fines. Although this is like the richest sports organization <laughs> on the planet. Yeah. I mean, it's NFL and FIFA, probably right. Those are probably your two. 
Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. The NFL made a ton of money off the publicity, too, even though they acted all upset and what. Yeah, everybody was just. Yeah, there was a uh, lot Janet, of outrage. Definitely. Janet made a lot of money. Justin Timberlake probably made some more money. Yeah, everybody kind of won. Which says that that was what, 17 years ago? 16 mm-hmm. years ago? And Ay. still infamous. More on our yeah. after show when we come back. And now into our VIP after show. I almost called it halftime because I had halftime on my brain <laughs> because of the Super Bowl halftime. Yo, you know? it is halftime of the show. It is. It is sort of halftime because we we're might go another hour now. after this. Yeah, we're in the second half. We're you know. And... Oh. So the, yeah, so that, that was, that was the, good. Uh, it was. So is this, it, it is Timberlake's shtick evolved? Hasn't evolved much in the last sixteen no. years, has it? No, like he's he's just a bro singing songs and it's the same act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jan, Janice hasn't involved much uh, either, but uh, like I said, I still found it kind of distasteful that she was getting a lot of the heat for it, even though you know Justin Timberlake's the one that actually tore the uh, the costume off. Uh, it felt like everyone was had indicted Janet Jackson for this and made it seem like she was the evil perpetrator behind everything, which again she may have been, but it's not yeah, like Justin there's, Timberlake there's was completely a, innocent. No, there's definitely a co-conspirator angle, definitely a sexist angle. Yeah, yeah. Blame the the dirty chick who had to orchestrate the whole thing because she's a woman, and you know, right. you know those women. She had it coming. She had it coming. So that was the that's 2020 <laughs> and Darren Jarvis. Yeah, that was that, that, That's right. God, God, that wasn't them up on stage. That'd <laughs> been a whole lot more going on. Yeah, they would have ripped off the costume, and then you really would have had to <laughs> do some explaining what another, happened after that. Another would have had another super spreader incident. <laughs> so that's the uh, the hall of infamy for 2020. Uh, uh, did I hold up as far as my sound? Yes. Actually, yeah. Uh, after the oh. first five six minutes of the show, um, once you once you closed all the porn sites, everything worked great. Like the only thing I opened up was like this Twitter app that's not on the same uh, web browser. It's separate oh. and. Everything just started breaking up, but you started breaking up. You never break up, so that's when I knew I was really in trouble. Oh, uh, if you had started, <laughs> like, oh, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, oh shit! Yeah, so I closed that out real quick. That uh, Twitter must be a resource hog. Apparently, evidently. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad everything worked out. I hate those shows where I'm the one uh, doing most of the talking, then it's broken up and you can't really understand what I'm saying. And it's like, God, that that's the worst to listen back to. That makes me want to like tear my eyes out when I listen back and hear me just going on and on about something and you can't even make it out. Like yeah. people don't want to hear me go on and on as it is. And then when it's all jarbled up like that, that's, that's just torture. It's even better when you listen to those shows, but I'm still responding to you. <laughs> like I can hear what you're saying. Cause you can understand me when you only hear half of what I'm saying. I, like, I think I know where he's going with this. Yeah, that that's that shows how long we've been doing this and how long we've been talking about sports and, and everything else. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How how any any predictions now here after we've done our baseball preview? How much longer baseball lasts? Um, yeah, I you know because um, it's they started really scaring you with some of the reporters tweeting. Uh, I think yesterday 
about uh, rumors that Rob Manfred had basically said, look, you guys figure this out and get this stuff under control or else we're going to shut it down. Like making it sound like we're going to, but see, I'm cynical on that because the reason we're doing this all to begin with in a pandemic is because baseball has to put on a show to, to keep those TV contracts going. Nothing is more important than those TV contracts. So of Rob Manfred, I think that's just posturing. I think that's Rob Manfred trying to get out uh, publicly and make it seem like he's trying to be the law and order, and he's hammering down on Tony Clark yeah. and the Players Union and telling them, hey, you guys better get your shit together or else I'm going to threaten to shut the, the thing down uh, and trying to make it seem like that it's it's all the players' fault and this whole thing, trying to take all the take the heat off the fact that baseball doesn't have anything in place to really prevent anything like this from happening with any any of these other teams other than the Marlins so far is the only team that's had half the team go down like that with, with coronavirus. But there's been a couple of other teams that have had positives. The Cardinals have a couple positives. The Phillies have a couple positives. So it's, it's not just the Marlins right now. Right. Uh, and what is baseball doing to stop that? What are they doing to, to prevent anything like what's happening with the Marlins from happening again? And the answer is nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing. Right. They've but been you- doing absolutely nothing. And then you have the case of Juan Soto, who's positive, or was he? We think. Uh, he tested. He tested <laughs> yeah. positive. So he tested positive, but he's had like five negatives since, and so they're hoping to get him back soon, but it doesn't matter. The, the, the Nationals are trash. Uh, I think we predicted that. Um, any any, yeah, any they, thoughts They would have loved to have person? their one good young player. Do you have any thoughts on this first odd week of baseball? I mean, have you been watching? I have. I've kind of felt. Do you still feel dirty? dirty. Okay. Yes. So I, <laughs> I, I was having this having this conversation with my one of my coworkers. I'm always watching. Yeah, I'm always watching things, right? Um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen one brother cardboard cutout yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just pointing that out because you watch the NBA and you see the virtual fans, you know. Mm-hmm with the season ticket holders, and it's a fairly mixed crowd, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen, have you seen a brother cardboard cutout yet? Just asking, because I have not seen one. Not only have I not seen one, but I didn't even think <laughs> to look. Like it's, subconsciously, it's, a, it's a baseball crowd. But it's subconsciously now you're like, you know what? He's right. <laughs> I haven't seen one yet. So the next one I see will be the first one. Um <laughs> I did want to point that out. It's a very, very, very milk toast looking crowd with these cardboard cutouts. I am very disappointed that they are not masking up. By the way, either uh, they oh, should, the I, I would like to. They, yeah, they should go out and put masks on all the cardboard cutouts. I think that would be a good message to send. <laughs> and one of the um, one of the teams is going to do that. that that's going to be great. On the subject of mask and baseball, can I rant on that for for something that I saw? that I was like, what, what are we doing? What, what the fuck? One of these games uh, that I was watching, somebody was at the plate. They took ball four. They took a walk. They were at the plate. They did not have a mask on. They okay. jogged down. They jogged down the first base. They take their base. Somebody brings them out a mask. And they put a uh, mask on while standing at first base. Oh, apparently the COVID is between first and second base. Oh, is that what it is? That's where it is. That's where the COVID is. Didn't you know that? You're at the plate. 
with a home plate umpire and a catcher. And the catcher. <laughs> you go down to first base. You're at first yeah. base with a first baseman and an umpire and a first, and a first base, base coach. coach. Why is it more important to have a mask on down with those three than it was at the plate with those two? What the fuck are we doing? What is it? This? Does, if you're not going to have one at home plate, then you don't what, need what, one. What are we doing? Base, or vice versa. It it was it just made me like want to. I don't have any hair, but if I had some, I'd want to tear it out because I was like, what? Why did you do that? What are we? Oh, the the whole thing just, is like just, a performance. Right. We're, you either we're, do or you don't. They're performing, trying to be safe. All these coaches and managers that have masks on in the dugout, and then when they want to, they're just like my fucking dumbass coworkers. They keep their mask on walking around, and then when they want to talk to somebody, they get right up close to them and take their mask down and talk to them. It's like, do you oh not God. understand that defeats the fucking purpose of the mask? Like, yeah, how do you so not I'm, understand I, that? I'm wearing my mask at work. You know, I have to wear my mask at work. The mask, basically, if, I'm, if there's nobody around me, nobody anywhere near me, the mask gets pulled down so I can breathe through my nose. So I still, I still have it over my mouth, but like I'm at least trying to breathe through my nose some, you know, so I'm not just breathing in my own all the time, but I'm talking, there's nobody around me. I mean, nobody, I mean, the closest person's 50, 60 feet away. I'm not giving anybody coronavirus from that distance. And, you know, somebody stays, see somebody moving towards me, I'll just grab the mask and pop it up over my nose. And I have it that way when I'm with my customers, but yeah, if I'm outside and there's nobody around, I'm not wearing a mask. I mean, I'm not driving in my car wearing a mask. Um, but yeah, I don't understand walking up to somebody to talk to them. And then pulling the mask down. That defeats the purpose. It's hard for, hard for me because in my job, I talk all the time. Sure. Right. So I'm always talking through the mask. And it's not easy. You know, and people don't, you don't hear people. They don't hear you. You're trying to talk louder. You get a sore throat. Um, you know, but you're trying to you're trying to keep people safe, right? You're trying to make sure that you're not giving them something or they're not giving you something, so you're making do with it and this is what they want now and or at least this is the thing that we're trying right now. Let's just let's call it that because we tried to shut down. Now we're trying masks. We'll see what we try next. Eventually they're going to uh you know, maybe there'll be a vaccine. Who knows? We're just going to keep trying things uh till we get this right. Well, trying the shutdown and sticking with it would seem to be the thing that everyone else did, and that's why they're much farther along in this than, than yeah, America I, I, is right now. I still think that we were maybe three or four weeks short, because um, you could really see. You, 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 we talked about this on a previous show. You watched the chart, and you could see that by mid-May where that had gone to. And it had gone down pretty significantly from where it had peaked in, in April. Um, and that was without much testing. So obviously with much more testing now, we're seeing, uh, more peak numbers because there, there's people going in, there's people popping for Corona who didn't even, well, not the ones who didn't even test that's happened, but we're talking that there's people who are more, it's more easy now to go get one, even if you just think you have it, or there are places that are requiring you to have it. Like with MLB, I don't think those Marlins players felt the slightest thing. Yeah, most of them were probably gonna, uh, like most of these guys were probably asymptomatic. Could be my guess, mm-hmm. but there's hey, there's 18 guys that have coronavirus who, you know, if we weren't requiring them to get tests, we would never know. Right. So some of that's going to lead to inflation, 
but that's but this is this is where we're at. It makes sense. I don't not so I don't. What I'm saying is I don't think that it's any worse now than it would have been at let's say the early peak back in April. We just didn't have the testing capacity. But what was proven was that by mid-May everything had gone pretty well down. And as soon as that started getting down just enough, everybody oh let's let's open up. Oh yeah, let's party everybody. You just had that feeling if you drew if you just drew that line farther down out from where it was instead of letting it flatten off and then just letting all hell break loose and everybody's out and bars are open and protests and rallies and you know just just, life's normal again and now you see where that's gotten us. Where if you just drawn that line for like three or four more weeks, you would have been like, yeah, we probably would have had this pretty well under control by early to mid June. Um, But well, too late now. Yeah, it's almost uh, doesn't do any good to talk about what should have been done because it wasn't, and now here we are, you know, 150,000 yeah. dead and, and counting, and no end in sight. That, that's the, the scariest part is where is the downturn coming again? Because there isn't one yeah. at the moment. Everything no, seems yeah. to just be climbing and climbing. I just I talk to so many people, and it's you know they keep trying things, and eventually you just everybody sort of has that everybody I talk to sort of has that fatalistic approach like eventually they're just going to shut it down again. But what's the tip? I, I hope. How bad is it going to have to get before people are willing to do it again or they're told to do it again and it sticks? Um, where I'm everybody agrees that this is the best thing to happen. I'm still thinking October. You know, some of that's a little conspiratorial in nature because I do think that they're looking for a way to make sure everybody's home on election day. Um, but I do think that, you know, that I think that's our October surprise this year. Wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise no. me. Yeah. Can I go to Vegas on that? Oh, wait. Is Vegas open? You, you don't want to go to Vegas right now. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, you do put not that want on to the go book. anywhere near there. <laughs> so, so, uh, what, so yeah, any any takeaways here from this first week, week and a half of baseball? Not that much. I mean, you were interested in sort of revising and trying to figure out a new uh, uh, playoff uh, pick to get. We joked about that on the on the baseball preview show. Hey, the season's about to start. Let's change all the rules and have the teams in the league. And it happened. Now. Yes. And now we have. And now <laughs> we have. Now we have. Now we have little league games uh, with the seven inning rule for. I mean, we're just they're throwing so much stuff up against the wall. The seven inning doubleheader rule is dumb. Can we just agree? Um, the runner it's, on it's second they, base to start extra innings is dumb. Yeah, the, the the DH the universal DH I have the, the the universal DH and the pitcher three batter minimum I've are the rules I've probably been the most okay with everything else is dumb the the the, the first and second place teams while both getting into the playoffs plus two more wild cards makes no sense um just crazy. Yeah, the, uh, by the way, the seven inning doubleheader thing is, uh, I didn't know anything about it being Little Leagues. I never uh, watched Little League baseball. Um, Little League games only it, go seven innings. That's why. I, ah. Like if you watch yeah. Little League World Series or any, any, any right. kid ball, any of that, it's all seven inning games. So that makes me think, are we going to have the mercy rule now? <laughs> yeah, I do remember uh, that now from the handful of Little League World Series games I watched. Yeah. But no, it's it's the minor league rule too, by the way. I was just. Uh, 
it's uh, another minor league rule that they brought up to the major leagues because they did ah. the runner on second thing a couple of years ago in the minor leagues, and now they're bringing it to the major leagues. And the in the in the minor leagues, they they do each game is seven innings in the minors uh, for for doubleheaders. They they've been doing that since I and I didn't know that they did that before I started working and, and scoring games. So that was a surprise to me that they do that. But yeah, that's what they do in the minors. Um, yeah, I. I guess I'm not surprised that they made that ruling because of how many games now they have to shovel into the schedule and all these double right. headers and all these makeup games and stuff like that. So it, it kind of makes sense that they, that they're doing that, but yeah, it's just another example of the whole thing to me has a vibe of mm, maybe they shouldn't be doing this at all. Maybe, but all that TV money is, it's, it's not going to go away. They're going to have to go get it and, and earn it. So it's, and it's, it's everybody. It's not just the uh, owners being uh, greedy about it. The players need the money too. They want to play. Uh, everybody's in for this, whether they want to be or not. It's only a handful of players that have just said, okay, I'm so disgusted by this whole thing. I'm not even going to go through with it. Uh, we had Joanna Cespedes uh, decide to pull out. Uh, he that just, just got ball, announced. went home, didn't even tell yes. anybody. Yeah, he just said, "The hell with this! I'm just out of here." Um, and and can you blame him? Can you? I mean, you know, the, the not telling the team part is is problematic. I understand if you want to come down on him for that, but just the fact of looking at what's ha- what's happening and and how baseball responds to players coming up positive, not by taking precautions to take care of them, but by basically posturing and pointing at the the players' union and saying, "Okay, you guys got to." Straighten up and fly right now. You got to act better, and, and we got to keep. It. Like, come on, man! You're gonna uh, take this moment to scold us and treat us like we're children. What? What is that? So that, that's just Rob Manfred trying to cover his ass and make it seem like he's the the big big dog and he's taking care of everything. He's not taking care yeah. of shit. So. Yeah, that's why when I said when we had the season preview show and the term that we uh, were using was the the whole damn the torpedoes attitude. Was that that mm-hmm. is exactly? What we're just gonna put our heads down and we are gonna run through a brick wall. Come hell or high water, this is what we're gonna do. And yeah, some of the players are not on board. I I have no I have no judgment, good, bad, or indifferent on people who risk you know are taking precautions to to not want to be a part of this. Football players, baseball players, NBA. You do you right. I, it, that that that's your choice. Um, these guys Leave have. A, I'm going home. <laughs> that's right. These guys have. Most of these guys have financial independence. They don't need to do it. They're not, you know, they're, they're, I can't make that choice. You can't make that choice. Neither can I. These guys have earned right. Uh, neither one of us could do it. Um, but these guys, they've earned their financial freedom to, to make a choice like that. And for the good of their health or the good of their family or just not making a statement or doing whatever they want to do, they just, eh, they're, they're gone. You know, they don't want to do it. Good for them. I'm not going to, I'm not judging these guys. I'm not going to be, oh, that's the guy who, that's the guy who quit. No, 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 no. Just let them do it. Let them do it. Let them go. And you know, yeah, it's not anything where I'm not going. I'm not going to praise nor condemn uh, anybody who is who's making that decision for themselves. I so I, I'm just I'm sort of neutral to that because that's good. That's their choice. Let, they made their choice. And <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I coughed. Oh, you got the goo. Oh, oh. Gotta go and, uh, no. Yeah. No, the football player, the whole Patriots team uh, has basically right. quit. And I, I'm more worried for football, honestly, 
than I am for I, baseball. Because with football, I'm worried for football too. You've got players like crashing into each other violently the entire game, and you're seeing the amount of cases that we're getting with baseball, which is smaller teams and very little contact. Uh, basketball seems to have done it right. Basketball and hockey isolate everybody ahead of time, keep them all for good or bad. Basically, you're on lockdown if you're going to play. If you want your money, and uh, you want the TV money, and we all want to do this, we're going we're to finish this season out, but we're going to do it in a controlled environment, um, which is funny because we talk about lockdown versus open. Basketball, lockdown. Baseball, open. And which one's been... <laughs> Which one's working Which one's better? Got you half the team have, coming up with you coronavirus. Are you are right. You are literally watching in sports what the theoretical answer should be, which is you got to control it. Down. Yeah. No, I don't see all the, the basketball players aren't all sitting around wearing masks, but they're all getting tested all the time, and they're in a controlled environment. I think the whole point of you know this is this is why I don't think you know one the masks were told initially we were told not to wear them um, because we were on lockdown locked down you're not going anywhere you, you right. don't need them as much plus there, there was a whole that that whole thing was confusing at the beginning anyways um for for reasons whether they're good or bad either we were people were told not to do them or that's you know, ah, not going to work and now it's like well everybody has to wear a mask it's like oh my brain <laughs> that's the, so it's the masks are these you know secure du jour and uh but i think what we're watching with the nba is on a small scale, you're seeing what is successful to to beating the thing. You, you need to be a, you know, in shape millionaire. <laughs> and if you're gonna break away and go to Magic Titty and get some wings, like Lou Williams did, uh, <laughs> that's right. We're not gonna let you just walk right back in like everything is cool and isolate your ass for a while and, and make you sit out and see if you're coming down with any symptoms. And then if you're okay after right. a, a week. Do, then we'll let you back in. But yeah, everybody else is definitely locked down. They had some of these sideline reporters talking about uh, in, during these NBA games just how strict the procedures are, uh, just for getting the smallest item like food or, or uh, toiletries, uh, getting your hair cut. There, there's procedures. There's things in place to make sure that you're not coming in contact with the outside world. They really are uh, bubbling it off well as they possibly can and yeah so far so good for for the nba absolutely yeah so we're seeing a way to do it right and so far with baseball they they're, they're i think they're going to learn as they go <laughs> you know they're going to they're going to figure this out that they're going to have to get a little bit more tough they already implemented rules about um you, you know curfews for players and stuff the things like that when you're on the road but very, very first thing this morning, they literally lost Ioannis Cespedes. They lost him. Right. So you can quarantine or you can do all the stuff that you want to do and say all the things you want to do. You literally lost track of one of your players. And before that, the Marlins outbreak is apparently being traced back to them, you know, sort of going out and, and partying and having a good time one of these weekends. Yeah. And like some people were being quoted as talking about all oh, these players are, you know, we're, they're in these hotels with these, other people and people having weddings and things like that. And you can't really control that. And, no. and I was just laughing at that because you really didn't think that the players are going to run into other human beings in these hotels. Like, what were you thinking? 
Like, or of course you're going to run into other people. Or that these aren't all guys in their 20s and 30s and the primes of their lives who probably think they're indestructible and don't probably care if they get it or not because their chances of dying from it are virtually zero. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that at work, with, too. Well, there's a lot of that in the country right now. I mean, when you look at the cases yeah. that are spiking, they're the, they're, it's the, te- the kids in their 20s. And the, the, the 20 to 30 group right now is where is what's keeping this thing going. Right. Going out and so, having weekend party uh, corona parties and shit. Yeah. So if you're 20 years old and it's like, well, wait a minute, I've got a, I've got like a one or two percent, I've got a one percent chance to get this and a 99.9 percent chance to live through it. They're still good. Yeah, they're still going to go to the bar. They're still going to go to the beach. You know, that's that's the attitude. Yeah. You know, you don't think you don't think things are going to go bad for you when you're you're 20. You know, until they do. I, I did when I was younger. I didn't care about swine flu or bird flu or you know any Zika virus. I didn't care about any of that stuff. You knew it was out there. It wasn't out there in the numbers that we have with COVID, but you 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 heard about those. Nobody cares about that stuff when they're in their twenties. Yeah, and even me uh, thinking about some of my activities when I was that age, as far as uh, <laughs> you're indestructible. Yeah, as far as dating, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, you're just in general. You, God, I think about the things I could do when I was in my twenties. I could stay up all night. I could go. I could literally go to work, stay up all night, go to work in the morning with no sleep. You know, finish out a full sh- like things I couldn't even fathom to do now, because you're 20 and you're young and you're dumb and you don't know. You know, and it, mm-hmm. nothing's gonna. You're indestructible. Oh, I remember hearing people in their when I was in my teens and 20s, people in their 40s talk about. You know, what's the most important thing to me right now? Sleep. A good I have night's to sleep. get sleep. And good now here night. I am at 44, man. <laughs> Nothing's more important to me than giving me enough sleep. My wife just walked by and went to bed, and I was looking at the clock, and it's ten twenty-five, and I was like, "It's about an." She's about an hour past her bedtime right now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the show's going to end sometime between now and eleven, and and I'll you know about eleven o'clock or so, I'll get off of here, and then usually after the show, I'm wired, so I can't go to bed right away, but. But by eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, I'll fall asleep. I don't make it till eleven thirty or twelve o'clock much anymore right. if it's not a sh- if there's not a show yeah yeah me neither you know i mean i have nights where i put my kids to bed at eight thirty, nine o'clock and then i walk right upstairs and go to bed mm-hmm. i mean i might lay there i might lay in bed with my phone and read some you know, read the twitter or facebook or go on youtube for a while or do something but i'm definitely laying down in bed doing it waiting for the phone to fall on my face to tell me it's time to go to sleep <laughs> That's that hurts. Yeah. Man, you ever have that phone fall right on the bridge of your nose? <sighs> <laughs> no, but I can imagine. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to hold it a little farther back, so it kind of just flops down on like my chin or my <laughs> chest or something. So my eyes just are no. My I got my eyes are shot. I got to go to the eye doctor. I got to get new glasses. You sound like you're in the mode to maybe uh, create a new invention, something to cradle your phone uh, on your neck while you're sitting up trying to read. <laughs> no, I, what I really just need to do is get something to create that puts like a little piece of styrofoam or a padding on my nose. <laughs> so when the phone falls, it just kind of hits like that little pillowy cushion. There you go. That's going to fall. Or, some, or, yeah, something that just suspends the phone up in midair. Right, like a neck Because then, the, then you get the damn phone elbow. Oh yeah, you know from yeah, holding that, it. Oh yeah. man, 
I hardly ever hold a phone up anymore. I'm, I'm trying. First thing I'm trying to do is prop it up somewhere, <laughs> no matter where I'm sitting. Yeah. All right, we're gonna well, sit this easy. phone so I can read. Not it. easy when you're laying on your back in bed, though. Right, right. Uh, yeah, you were talking about the playoff expansion in baseball. Try. I'm, I'm sorry. I did not go through and try to figure out new playoff teams as far as predictions. Trying to, I have no. I first of all, I, have, I don't know who's gonna still be playing. Uh, by the time uh, the playoffs come around, because we got so many people dropping out uh, COVID right. concerns, actually getting COVID. We got, hell, we got a team that hasn't been able to play in a week, a whole week, because of coronavirus. Yeah. How are we supposed to figure out who's playing who, who's going to so, make up these doubleheaders, when when these games are going to yeah. get played? Some of these games are not going to be made up. The Marlins are not making up every last one of these games that they missed. The Cardinals aren't making up all these these games that they missed, or the Phillies. Uh, some of these games are just not, some of these games are just not going to be made up. There's, there's going to be uneven schedules. Uh, I haven't watched PTI in months before I watched it this past week one time, and they were trying to start an argument. Tony and, and Mike were trying to argue about. Uh, Tony was trying to argue they have to uh, make up these games that are being canceled due to coronavirus. They have to find. You cannot have. Uh, some teams that played an, an even number of games and some teams didn't play the same amount. You have to keep it equal. And Will no. Bob's like, no, you don't. What are you talking about? No. As yeah, long as the number's large enough, the suspicion I have and what I've heard is they're just going to go by win percentage. Right. Like, and Which I don't is know fine. why you, you anyone just would think need, they'd do anything other than that. You just can't, what you just can't have is a team that plays 60 games and then another team only plays 36. That's <laughs> not going to work. You know, so the, when the Marlins come back, we can't have the Marlins play a three-game set and then they're gone for another 10 days again or something. But you know what? At some point, yeah, you can. Right now, or, the way well, things are going, what, yeah, you can. You get a team that's just having it that much. At some point, they go, Marlins, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> or, right? Or somebody, you, know, you just – you. you can't have a 12-game season if you're the Marlins. No, what they're going to do is they're going to make the Marlins sign every uh, free agent street bum uh, yeah. and bring in guys that, that you know played in the Bull Durham League and say, okay, you're a Marlin now, even though you don't deserve to be. They're, they're going to field a team, and they're going to play these games. There's not a lack of players that they're not playing these games. It's a lack of clean facilities, a lack of places that people feel safe coming in to play against yeah. you right now because you're so dirty. Um, and, and having to deep clean and make sure everything is, is properly sanitized if you can possibly do that when you have an outbreak like that. Uh, but they're going to have the players, they're going to have the, 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 the games, uh, but it's not going to be the same number. And, yeah, some teams are going to make the playoffs having played uh, 53 games and some teams are going to play all 60. Yeah. yeah, It's going to, it's going to happen because no, this whole season, the whole thing is, is off the rails, you know, trying to keep things normal or keep things a certain number, uh, keep things within the same number. That's all out the window. They're just clearly, clearly just putting this season together to keep the TV money flowing, to get to the playoffs, to get more TV money flowing in. That That's, that's the only purpose for all of this. And I'm okay with that. As long as the number, it stays fairly substantial for some of these teams. Because right now you got some teams that have played nine games and some that have played three. Yeah. Well, 
by a percentage basis, that's awful. But if it just be, if it gets to the end of the season and you have teams that have played 58, 60 games and some other teams have played 50, 51, 48, that, I'm okay. I can live with that. I just don't want a team that's literally played half as many games as another team. I, I would not like it at all either, but it, if that's what if that's what happened, that's what happens. If, if the Marlins only play 30 games, they're still going right. to count it as legitimately as, as everybody else because it's just all about getting that TV money. Yeah, and getting into the, the playoffs. Money. And right now the 2 and one Marlins uh, would be in the playoffs. <laughs> it's all about the money! It's all about the money! So, yes, so... On a percentage basis, you'd have the Cubs and the Brewers, the A. I'm sorry, the Braves and the Marlins, uh, the Rockies. <laughs> a. I feel pretty good about that Rockies call about that fast oh. start. Remember uh-huh. what I said? Fast yeah. start, slow. You know, and then they're going to fade. Um, Rockies and Dodgers. Uh, you'd have Yankees and this is great. Yankees and Orioles right now. Of. <laughs> uh, Twins, uh, Twins and White Sox, uh, which I believe I had, um, A's and uh, A's and Astros. So I'm actually feeling pretty good about my predictions right now. I don't feel I so good about the Reds. The Reds did sweep a doubleheader today, though, so I feel a little better about that. Um, Padres are looking pretty good early too. So I, I actually feel pretty good about my way too soon uh, predictions. And then White Sox, Twins. Uh... Series, I think that's what started the season for the White Sox was uh, yeah. with, with Minnesota. That's what made what's, that's what kept me watching uh, to start the season was like the quality of baseball in that series. Like they were uh, yeah. going back and forth with each other. The, the Twins were doing their normal slugging and just first pitch of the season, uh, the Twins hit a home run and it's like, oh fuck. Um, but the Sox came back. They answered. They, their young guys are looking really, really good. Uh, so I, I was just watching uh, the, the high quality of, of baseball being played, and that's yeah, what kept I, and, me going. And in general, it's been a fairly good product so far. So far, through the first week. And I feel I feel pretty good about my call on the Cubs, even though I didn't have the Cubs. I didn't think they'd be off to a 7-2 and two start. Uh, but that team is exi- – they are who I thought they were. I think their starter's <laughs> ERA is about one and a half, and their bullpen is a dumpster fire. Oh, Craig Kimbrell is awful. Oh, all of them, all of them. I mean, they had a game where they were up. They had a game where they were up seven nothing and won eight to seven. Um, two of the games against the Pirates, they gave up uh, one. One game they gave up back to back jacks in the ninth inning. Um, yesterday's game, they were up four to nothing going into the ninth and won four to three. So they're winning games, uh, but only because they're giving themselves these big leads and uh, barely hanging on. I'm having fun with this. You can't do that all year. I'm having fun with the soundboard tonight. Did did you say the the Cubs are who we thought they were? Coach, uh, four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears? Uh, We shut them down that way? No, we, you know, I mean, we we just, uh, the Bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes the third game in a preseason like it's bullshit? Bullshit. We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, 
Rest in peace, that's Johnny an all, Green. That's an that's an all timer. Yep. Yep. Any chance any chance to play Coach Green? Uh, they are who we thought they were. I, I have to take advantage of that. Uh, I had uh, one small rant uh, to to get off my chest before we leave. Sure. Um, uh, going back to the NBA, it's great that the that the bubble's working. It's great that everybody's testing negative and all that. Uh, this act of all these teams coming out, uh, linking hands and singing Kumbaya and taking a knee before the national anthem. Now, obviously, I'm all about protest and, and having a problem with the anthem the way uh, the whole presentation is with the, the, the fact that the anthem really shouldn't be played before any sporting event because it's just dumb. Um, and I'm okay with the principle behind the first act of kneeling by Colin Kaepernick, which is to protest what America stands for. This whole thing with the everybody join linking hands and, and take a knee and, and, and put on this presentation, it's, it's, that's what it feels like to me. That's my problem with it. It feels like a presentation. It doesn't feel like a real, any kind of protest. When it's everybody uh, linking hands and doing this performative act of taking a knee before the anthem that feels less like a protest to me and more like a school play like they're putting on a performance of what they think a protest is supposed to be instead of guys actually protesting in their own way and doing what they feel is is necessary to to voice their expression and voice their concerns when everyone is doing it, it's not really a protest to me. It's it's just a performance, and that's my whole problem with that. I, it it sort of takes the message away to me. It takes the steam away when uh, when you got everybody on the team doing it, uh, and and it just doesn't sit right with me. It makes to me it makes it feel like they're not really protesting anything. They're just doing it because they think that's what should be done right now, and I don't like that part of it. Uh, I, I don't know if that's what they intend or if that's the NBA is trying to sort of take the starch out of it and trying to take the, the steam away early before they let people sort of go rogue like the NFL did and wind up turning it into an us versus them. Uh, so I understand the, the unifying attempt trying to sort of take the steam out of it. But at the same time, I think that takes the, the whole message away. I think that takes the whole point of it away. And, and that's my whole problem with that. You mean they haven't solved racism with all this stuff? Not yet. Uh, oh, working on I it. thought they did. I thought all this stuff they did. Like every time you see something, like oh, racism solved. Um, right. Yeah, re- you know. So, oh, why you go and burst my bubble like that? <laughs> I'm being completely sarcastic. Uh, yes. No, I, I definitely agree with you 100. There, there, there should be a, an organic feeling to somebody protesting, not a sanitized public relations feeling uh, to people protesting. I also think a lot the baseball and football and basketball are all going to get a pass by doing these things, and they feel somewhat emboldened in doing these things. I'll tell you why. There's nobody in the stands. Mm-hmm. Right? right? So, so there, there's nobody in the stands who can agree with or disagree with them or be offended by or not offended by, agree or disagree it's really just a TV viewership when you're all at home and, you know, and so, or in a bar, but you're not talking about 14,000 in a basketball arena or 40,000 in a baseball stadium or 70,000 in a football stadium, all with conflicting views, 
different races, different creeds, different nationalities, you know, different, different, different individual people who all have their own opinion of what they're seeing. That's all been removed from the equation. So when all the baseball players stand there and they hold the, the, the black hanky all together and, and, and you get all the basketball players, and they're all down on the knee and they're joining each other's arms. Do you, I, for one, don't believe that every person who's doing that believes in their heart that they're doing something that, that they support or they're behind. And there are some that do. And I have, I have a feeling that more of them think the way you do, like, man, it's some bullshit, <laughs> you know, like, I know this guy I'm locking arms with doesn't believe in this, you know, <laughs> right? I know coach doesn't give a shit. I mean, and, and so, so you're right. The message loses steam, you know, because you've just, taken away, you've taken, yeah, you, you, it's theater. It's exactly, it's, you know, it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's, it's the, it's the fourth grade it, it's, it's people who don't really understand what's going on or how things work who think if they do that, that they now somehow qualify as quote unquote woke. Mm-hmm. Like this is the cool thing now. So we're going to have all of our players doing it. We're going to put, we're going to put things on the back of their jerseys that say peace and equality, even though we don't stand for any of those things. <laughs> um, but you know, it, that that's what it is. And it's a great point that you brought up that they can do this without having to worry about uh, William Legui the second throwing oh, a, a, a yeah. full beer cup from the stands right. going, fuck all you Negroes. So they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, but you, cause, because you know in these NBA, in any of these, in an NBA arena, in an MLB, any major sport, they're doing this presentation before the game starts and those arenas are packed. Those stadiums are full. There's going to be some booze. Mm-hmm. They're not forced yeah. to deal with any of those people. So, yeah. So the, again, it's the echo chamber. So the bubble or the empty stadium. It's just it just can just become just this PR echo chamber. And look at us. Look how woke we are. And you know, all of us multimillionaires are all armed, locked arm in arm. We've solved racism. We feel so good. We did it. We, 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 we did all it. took a knee. We, yeah. <laughs> Let's get, okay, everybody, now. forget. All right, yeah. <laughs> everybody go home. <laughs> We've solved it. That's why every time I see one of these stories about something that happened, you know, hey, we, you know what? Cops are still beating the shit out of people. But man, we got rid of Aunt Jemima. Well, that's it. <laughs> we, Racism we, we solved. Finally, we achieved something. We got rid of Aunt we, Jemima. We, yeah. we 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 made the we tore, we tore down a statue of Christopher Columbus somewhere. Racism. We solved it. Threw it in a body of water, and now that's it. We we don't have to worry about that. We made yeah. MeTV take the uh, Flintstone episodes away that uh, talk, that had Fred calling some uh, Indian guys towel heads or something. Uh, oh. We made we made them scrub that so they won't show that anymore. So. That's it. We solved all racism. We've solved now. it. We've solved racism. We, we we pulled good. We pulled Gone with the Wind from from HBO mm-hmm. for a week or two. You know, we 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 we've solved it. You know, it, it, you know, it, having these things. You know, and unfortunately, when you get rid of all of the reminders, when everything has been scrubbed from history and you've gotten rid of all of the history, 
you you almost delegitimize what people are protesting. You need things. You need to be able to see. You need you need cautionary tales, right? This is why we have a hall of infamy. You you need it's, it, it, that's it. We've we've solved we've solved racism with the hall of infamy. Um, I didn't you, know we were so you, important. You can't just wipe it away. You know, you can't just go. Oh, it's gone. We've we've eliminated everything. Um, you know, there are some things that have been done that make sense. There have been some things that have been done. You're just like, uh, I, I didn't realize that this was the goal. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way. You're like, uh, guys, we're, we're trying to do this. <laughs> what are you doing over there? It's like, it's, it's, you know what? I, 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 I believe I equated, uh, a lot of this instead of, uh, like a line with a goal. It, it looks like a bike. It looks like a bike. It's like spokes on a bike. You have this like catalyzing event. And everybody just ran in a different direction. So the movement literally looks like a, a bicycle wheel right now. And no, nobody's going the same way. Everybody's just running off because everybody's got their little pet project things. Oh, we got to get rid of this. All you guys don't. No, no, it's not about the cops. It's about the Washington Redskins. Huh? I, I understand that that's a, that's a sore subject, but we're, we're trying to move. The, come on. Got, come on back over here. We, like, we need all that no. energy. Remember? No, and, and, I can't and, go over there. I, I, I see a Confederate flag over this way. I got to go run over there and burn that down. I, I got to go yeah. this way. Yeah, we got to take Dukes of Hazard off the air, huh? Yep, we got to get Which these Confederate soldiers dumped yeah. into yeah. dumped into gotta, water and we got this guy who's been dead, this Columbus guy. He's only been dead for five hundred years. <laughs> got to get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. What? While in the meantime you cops are abusing people and you know, cities are burning and all that stuff's happening. But yeah. So I, I don't know if you agree with me on any of that, but it just, it's just the It's just this rudderless ship right now. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's so it's it, every day. It's something else. It's like we, we, every, the, the, the focus is, and I don't know if it's by design, but there's definitely a bright, shiny object element to this whole thing. It's like, like everybody has gotten so offended by everything that they're so easily distracted by the next little outrage. We got to get that next outrage. I just have to live in perpetual outrage. And the whole message and the whole meaning has just been completely lost. And this NBA stuff and MLB and all the players doing this stuff, just, just it just shows you that it, you've basically just mainstreamed the movement. And once you mainstream the movement, nothing's going to happen. It's uh, pretty simple to me. Uh, my it, it comes down to two sentences that me and my wife were uh, were still in separate rooms because she's still so afraid of getting coronavirus again that she won't uh, interact with me because I still have to go to work every day. But watching the NBA uh, open back up on uh, on you know our our phones on Facetime, mm-hmm. and we see the the performative kneeling and. She asked me in one sentence, why are they doing all these things that we aren't asking for? And I answered back in one sentence, because they can't give us the things. Then it would be America. You can't give us equality and, uh, and, and racial equality and economic equality and defunding the police and, and stop having them be uh, an, another arm of the military. You can't give us all those things because that then America would cease to be America. So they can't give us those things. So they're going to give us these performance acts and, and dumping these statues in the river and make it seem like that that's some great 
achievement because they can't actually give us what we really want because then we wouldn't be us. So it, it's yeah, really mean, that simple. You know, and the whole thing that you brought up that I've talked about a lot on this show is the militarization with the police, which is a function of our of the perpetual war machine that this country is, that this war footing that we've been on for damn near 20 years now, right? So all this money that we pour into the military because we have to be at war all the time. We have, we've been at war literally since October of 2001 uh, with somebody somewhere in the world and now in, in multiple countries. And this, this is going all the way back to, you know, we, we've been through Bush and Obama and now Trump. This is going a long time. And you have all this military budget. You end up with all this excess hardware. So then the military gives all the excess hardware to the police departments. I, I don't remember growing up when cops had tanks and cops had body no. armor. And, no, and, right? God, no. So, you know, when, when people talk about de- just defund the police, it's like, just stop giving the cops money. That's not the problem. The problem is you need to stop. It, it, you need to it, like, demilitarize. That's what you need to do. You need to demilitarize the police. You, you, you've literally turned the cops into RoboCop. And you're giving yeah. them all these toys and tools. And basically you've turned people who signed up to do a job, you're giving them the tools of people who signed up to do a different job. And we heard of police in tanks when we were kids. It was called Tenement Square. It wasn't over here. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. Yes. So, you know, so this isn't just, uh, you know, we, this is why I, I get into this with my mom all the time about with Trump. I'm like, you know, I said, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm waiting for to happen is when he's out of office, whether that's this time or next time or whatever it happens, and people get a chance to kind of get over their, their Trump hate. And, and take a look at everything and realize that, you know, that he's not the disease, he's the symptom. You know, everybody just, you know, there's so many people, you know, when we, I was thinking about this, like, what's, a, what's an eloquent way of saying it? Because Trump woke so many people up, but the people who woke up, right, all the woke people never took the time to uh, see what they missed when they were asleep. Hmm. Like, literally hmm. everything began with Trump, like racism began with Trump and this, this police brutality began with Trump. Like he is like so vile. and so, you know, he's, he's created so much more awareness in people that they think it just all started in January of 2017. No, no, this has been building for years and years and years. So Trump is the symptom. He's the result. He's not the disease. Um, because it, it, it took, you know, it took this to get this, to get this, to get this, to get this, to get this. And it took a lot of things to get us in the position that we're in now. It didn't just start with Trump. And, you know, that's not, that's not a, that you know, that's not a defense of what he's done. That's just saying that, you know, the cops and, and the, like the, you know, the, the, the authorization, the NDAA, right. The national defense authorization act, that the things that he's using to go into these cities, he didn't create he didn't sign the paperwork that gave him the authority to go into these places. This is Patriot Act and the NDAA. And people have to educate themselves on those things to understand that a lot of the things he's done, he hasn't even broken the law on because they've given presidents this power. Obama signed the NDAA that Trump used and actually said, I'll never use it, but it didn't stop him from signing it. Which is yeah, that's part of the political game. Yeah. So I, I, I don't believe in this thing that I'm signing because I would never do this. 
wink, wink, you know, cause the, but the next guy might. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's just, it, that's why it's like once he's, once he's out of office and people sort of, because there's so much emotion that's running everything right now when it comes to people just, just get, they get crazy when they think about Trump because it's so, you know, they lose all logic. And then when he's not there anymore and they see that nothing really changed, Maybe we just we just got a we just got a liar that we like more. We got a guy who lo- re- reads better off a teleprompter or lies better. He doesn't, you know, he's not that ugly mirror for the United States to look into anymore. Um, that uh, people are going to realize that this is a problem that's been going for a while. That's why when we talk about this demilitarization with the police, and you know, nobody's nobody's taking. How many people do you hear talking about tracing this all the way back to two thousand one? How many people are tracing? the situation we have now with these cops back to 9-11 and the Patriot Act and, and, and all the money that's been funneled into the, the military money that nobody has a problem giving Trump. Trump's a Russian spy. We've been told that for three years, right? But nobody has a problem giving him $700 billion for the military. I hope a lot of people would have a lot of problems doing that. No, but... they don't, they don't, nobody <laughs> votes. I mean, there's a handful of people who vote that stuff down, but it all goes through. They confirm all his judges. They approve all his budgets. They give him everything he wants. But on and, the other, but then, but then on the theater side, they tell you that he, that he's a terrible guy. Right. They're the guys, you know, they're the ones kneeling with the with the white with 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 the black towel. That's what they are. Yeah, that was so letting everything happen. So that's my spiel. And I was so sickened and disappointed uh, a few weeks ago when the the Democrats, for all of their talking and posturing, went in and voted down uh, universal health care. Like, yeah. what have you seen to make you think that we are better off with uh, our society the way it is now, with with so with good health care being something only the rich can afford? Like, that's not how it's supposed to be done. Like there's so many other examples around the world of, of universal healthcare working so much better for their societies, but the political game, you, you got it. You're still playing the political game and you feel like you still have to do this to, to, to keep your standing, to keep your power because politics is all about power. <laughs> it, it all comes the down money to game too, though. That's, that's not just what? the power. That's the money. Where's the money coming from? The money's coming from big pharma. The money's coming from, insurance companies right and and who's lining the pockets of all the congressmen and senators the lobby firms health care that's why we can't have nice things well we're saying the same thing the reason the the politicians are accepting that money is because they want to keep the power that they have by being oh, yeah. elected to that office right so it's it, it all ties power. in i mean those, those do kind of go hand in hand you're looking at it from like uh they don't want to lose grip of of, of the power, but I'm saying, no, 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 no. It's, it's I'm, I'm Vince McMahon. It's all about the money. <laughs> yeah. uh, that it's that, that sweet, sweet cash, you know, that's the, that's their crack. That's the stuff they can't get enough of. Uh, you know, these are the, that's what I mean. So it's like, people are going to realize that neither when, when people realize that neither side's out to help them and enough people realize that that's when things will change. Cause there's the people out there. It's like, you know, there's people literally voting for Joe Biden who has zero idea what he stands for. He's not Trump. He's not Trump. <laughs> this didn't work four years ago, because I seem to remember a lot of people <laughs> wanted to vote for Hillary, even though we didn't know what she stood for. Uh, but she's not Trump. So I hope that one doesn't come back and bite him in the ass, because this is what we are 
headed towards right now. And they're just trying to run the clock out on Trump with Biden. Like if we can just leave him in his basement long enough and Trump can just indict himself, uh, Joe Biden could be president. Worst presidential. I thought Hillary's campaign was bad. Biden's campaign might be worse. Uh, he's got some funny tweets. Uh, it's time for a, a president that won't har- harm us or, or won't be a baby or won't. Do- and it's like, okay, but what are you, what are you going to do? Yes. What? Oh <sighs> man. Don't, don't, don't. You're starting to, you're starting to sound like you're figuring it out. <laughs> Tell me what oh, you're I've... going to do. Earn my vote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I figured it out. I, I just thought that anything but Trump is better, but no, i never thought that uh, Joe Biden was operating on some astral plane that he was so much better. And, and no, he's, he's, he's the old guy that Obama, that Obama had as his veep. That's, that's all he is. He's already said on record that nothing will fundamentally change. I think that was one of his, like why they should vote for him. Vote for me because I want to go back to the status quo. Oh, great. Let me run out and register right yeah. now. Uh, and as disappointed as you were about them striking down health care, was as disappointed as I was when Trump tried to pull us out of Afghanistan about six, eight weeks ago, and they voted him down on that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, unfortunately, if, you, if, if Trump is able to run to the left of Biden on war, like he ran to the left of Hillary on war, that's not a good sign. You, you know, you, you if you're the Democrat, you shouldn't get out-lefted by a Republican. I, I don't even know what's going on anymore with some of that stuff. No, it's all right. It's just... I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Nobody is out for us. No, nobody's looking out for me. Nobody's looking out for you. Nobody's looking out for my kids or my wife. Uh, they are all looking out for themselves right now. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's the rats. It's, it could be the rats leaving the sinking ship, and 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 it's staring us right in the face, and and we don't realize, you know. You know, even Rome had its day. In other words, Costa Rica is looking much and much better, uh, more and more better every day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully China doesn't, you know, start some crap and we all end up with a with a nuclear tan. Uh, <laughs> bite your tongue. All right. Uh, so, do you have any else about the show? <laughs> nice and upbeat. Yeah, in our last couple awesome. minutes. Hey, here. you know what? That that's. But you know what? That's this is what it is. It's an election year, and these are important things. And it doesn't, it, you know, it, we've we've had we've we've had our disagreements in this last six eight weeks. It's been, a, you know, there's been some ten shows, but you know, we both have strong opinions. But it sounds like you know, like you, you eventually you talk it out enough. It doesn't sound like you and I are too far apart on what we're saying. Generally, I don't think we are. Yeah. No, we I mean, we some... might have different perspectives. Obviously, you know, my life's experiences and your life's experience are completely different. But I mean, it sounds like we're both seeing the thing, seeing things kind of the same here. Like, eh, it's some bullshit. <laughs> I definitely think there's some bullshit. I, I'll definitely agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely, no, I, 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 I'm definitely uh, on board with that. So, yeah, no, next week uh, I'm on vacation. We are going to attempt to take the kids on vacation, not very far from here. We're only going a few hours away, staying in the state uh, so we don't have to quarantine. Uh, but we're going to have our masks, and we're going to have a nice hotel room with a private beach and uh, just try to get away for a week and enjoy family company, and we'll see how that goes. Fortunately, we're going to a part of the state where much lower, much lower rates than what we have here. 
which oh, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's with, just with yeah, any travel. Well, yeah, I mean we're, we're literally two and a half hours. We're driving two and a half hours, so not 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 going very far. We're staying at a place on the lake, Lake Michigan. You know, you've heard of it. I think I remember that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just a nice hotel room with a private beach and enjoy some some eighty degree weather and some some nice days. That's the plan. Sounds great. Uh, we hope everything worked out. We're still wondering about this uh, anniversary trip we're supposed to take. Uh, that's Tennessee too. It's farther away, it's six hours, but over on the eastern part of Tennessee. And I still don't know if we're going to be able to do that the way things are going here in Tennessee right now. So oh, That's why we're doing this next week because, God, if we tried to do it in September, October, there, there probably won't be a place to go by then. No kidding. Uh, the the message came down on my screen. Thank you. Your episode is ended. We're still going. So once again, did, this, we, this did you check show. on the last show? Yes. We went past. Yes, I checked, and we were still recording. It all it all came in. It all huh. stayed in there. So, well, at least it allows know, you to kind of try to end gracefully. Exactly. They don't care anymore getting, either. Just Some, cut off. They're asleep at the <laughs> wheel now. They don't care. <laughs> Welcome to the after after show. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're... <laughs> gives a shit. Nobody's listening anyway. Uh, we're, we're not going to go much farther than this, trust me, because he's ready to go. Oh, it's eleven mine. o'clock. I actually, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of off work tomorrow. I actually don't work until three o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. Tomorrow's my Friday, so this is so basically we do a Sunday show. You're catching me on what would normally be like a Thursday night for somebody who works on Monday through Friday. So I'm pretty fried. Um, <laughs> On a Sunday night, because you know, it, uh, Thursdays, you know, you know, you know, the, you know those Thursday night blues, right? Sure. It's sort of where I you get. I remember. To. Thursday was always the worst week, worst day of my school week, worst day of my work week. And Thursdays <laughs> just, I hate Thursday. And this is, you know, for for all intents and purposes, this is kind of like my Thursday because tomorrow I work a half a day and then I'm off for uh, two days. Right. Well, I was just going to say we uh, don't have a, another show scheduled for the next couple of weeks, but we, like you said, we probably get one in before we start getting into football preparation and preseason and yeah. predictions and things like that. So No, there's no preseason. Well, there will be. It's called week one, two, three, <laughs> four, maybe five. I was thinking how about many, our preseason. How which is like, many injuries are we going to have? I mean, it's football, so you're going to have a lot of injuries anyway. But, I mean, but... I think you're going to have a rash of just debilitating injuries. You're going to have some of the worst officiating that you could imagine. Because no one's getting any practice. Practice, man. Not... Um, I, I don't know. I, what, what I will say I see coming is the bad quality of football. The bad refereeing is kind of hard to tell what's, you know – Worse than normal refereeings, it's always kind of bad. Um, and the uh, the injuries, that, that's another one. I don't know if I can tell the difference between one week one and another week one or one week two and another week two because there's so many injuries in the NFL anyway. It's such a horrible sport to play for your body. So it might be more. I don't, I don't know. What I do think I will be able to notice myself is the much lower quality of play, the much – there's going to be yeah. so many more offenses that you go, have they ever seen each other before? They All these guys look like they've never met. There's going to be so many guys that miss timing and ball goes one way, the receiver's going the other, and uh, 
somebody's supposed to block and he runs the wrong way and there's a yeah. guy in the backfield just blowing up the quarterback or blowing up the running back. And it's like, these guys don't look like they've practiced at all. I think you're going to see a lot of games that look like that. So you're almost giving away what was going to be my hook going into the season for trying to pick games was I, trying to stick with continuity and stability. Teams that have actually been together for a minute. Right. Yeah, not all these teams I, I'm with that you. played not not all these teams that played uh, musical chairs at quarterback and brought in all this free agent talent. Uh, none of that stuff's going to gel. You know, it's fine in practice. You, you can do that. You know, redshirting and, and doing seven on sevens. You have another team and they're out there and they're trying to stop you. Um, that's, it might that's not different. be so pretty. That's going to take some time. There's going to be some missed assignments, and there's going to be some dudes getting jacked up. And yeah, I'm, I am definitely uh, not to give away a pick, but I, I am I am probably <laughs> going to lean more to the side of uh, continuity and stability and teams that have uh, you know are more ready made teams that stayed together um, and didn't have wholesale changes. So sorry, Tommy. <laughs> We also still don't know between now and the next month how many other teams are going to have half their offensive line opt out because of coronavirus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, receivers opt out. We, we we still don't know how many of these teams are going to be whole. So that's another uh, issue. That, that there's a long there's a long way to go. <laughs> football, I think, a is a long way to go. Football is always equipped to handle that because football just always has this next man up mentality. So I, you know, so what if ten players on the Patriots opted out? They got ten. Belichick will have ten guys ready to go. Well, he might, but most of these yeah. other teams aren't that good to be able to to get more guys in there. And in their second, most teams, their second wave, their second string, and their third strings are so yeah. much worse than the first string yeah. guys that you can really tell the difference. Maybe That's not why we're so going to be watching. That's why we're going to be watching such a lesser quality of football come September, if there's football at all. There's always a cat, always a caveat if there's even football. No, there, but there will be. Just like baseball, Jay, I'm telling you, they will get you and me off the street playing in Bears uniforms or, or Packer uniforms or Titans uniforms. They will get whoever oh, they have to on. get. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm warming that arm up. <laughs> Our fourth string quarterback, forty-four Jason. year old rookie, and I'll I'll be on there uh, on the on the left side trying to protect you. I'll have your blind side. Oh uh, God, so. I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise you anything, but I'll try to have your blind side, man. <laughs> oh man, oh, well you know they're, what? They're... Just, yeah, you, you, you got to be better than Stan Thomas, right? Who I'm surprised we haven't <laughs> oh. put in yet. How many awful bears am I going to put? I haven't put in Peter Tom Willis either. I'm trying not he, to put no, every. No, he doesn't. He, what did he do? He didn't do anything. He was just bad. He didn't do anything worth bad. getting in for. You know what you should do? You should put in all 21 of the Bears quarterbacks as a group that played during Brett Favre's oh, career. God. <laughs> because we always had to, you know, we always had to see that, mm-hmm. image, that, that, that stat up on the screen. Like Since during, Brett Favre Brett, was installed as a starter, here's how many quarterbacks the Chicago Bears have had. Henry, Henry Burris and Steve Stenstrom oh. and P.T. Willis and Kate McDowell. <laughs> Mike Tomzak. Just <laughs> oh. put them all in as a group. Find, find, find a screen grab from one of those games <laughs> with the list. 
Like, you know, and here are all the quarterbacks that have started for the Chicago Bears since Brett Favre was installed as the starting quarterback. And uh, every single one, none of them are worth anything. No. Jim Miller, Eric Kramer. I don't think I can do it. I, I don't think my stomach I, could take that. I might not be wrong if I said it's 21 guys. Because how many might times not. did the Bears have a guy who started one game and you never saw him again? Ghost. <laughs> I, I don't even. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to see the the list because of, it will remind me of some of those guys that I've never, I never want to think about ever again, ever. But I will tell you, and you know this to be true, at some point, every single one of those guys on that list was every Chicago Bears fan's favorite quarterback. Caleb Haney, he's our guy. <laughs> Bitch, that Cutler, he's a bum. I want to see Haney. He was Why walking around Haney at the. A I saw him walking at the mall. He was going upstairs to the restaurant. He's a bum. Ugh. He's got no heart. <laughs> okay, okay, man, I'm, I'm done. Gonna dig I'm my done. eye out of my head <laughs> and go to bed. We will see all of you in a couple yeah. of weeks for some random show that we'll put together or something. Uh, he's Jay. I'm Dre. Thank you for joining us for our Hall of Infamy induction show, and we will talk to you somewhere down the road. I don't have an end button anymore because the show has ended. I don't know how we're going to end this thing. All right. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to leave the web page and, turn, and take the microphone out. And, and hopefully that will do it. Bye, everybody.